Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. You doing all right? Yeah. All right. So um, we're going to talk for a bit. I feel like I should tell you all that um, our Southern California writer friend, Robin Benway, won the National Book Award for Young People's Literature today. So so this is a good literary day in Los Angeles. Um, So, Liska, we had talked about possibly reading a small chunk of this novel first. And then we'll, we'll talk for a bit, and then we'll open it up to questions from the audience. So yes. are, are, we still, are you still up for that? Yes. All right. I'm a little sweaty. But <laughs> thank you, everyone, for coming out. I really appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't mix it up with anybody else's copy. Um, okay. I'm going to read you the first chapter. Um, my mom and sister were at the last bookstore event, so this is the second time you get to hear me try to read to a crowd. <laughs> Um, it's about seven minutes long. Is that okay? Or I can shorten it too. It doesn't really matter. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing. So I used to, I used to, <laughs> I used to do events at the last bookstore. So it's really weird to be up here. Also, I've been in this crowd like a hundred times. So this feels weird. I might be dreaming. Maybe I'm in a coma. I don't know. All right. <laughs> don't wake me up if I am. Um, it's just past breakfast. So I order up a pitcher of Bloody Marys and a bagel. I dash off a text to mother. I've landed safely. Sorry I couldn't stay longer. The phone is a slick new thing. Touch screen with buttons too small for my fingers. But still they make a satisfying click click. Before I left New York, I bought a Gucci case for it. Alligator skin, because it was gaudy and expensive. And because I liked the idea of a decorative predator. I turn the ringer off and slip the phone into one of the dresser drawers. The Miramar is a Bougainvillea and Jasmine hotel. Cobblestone circular drive, name incursive on a black iron gate, golden California light spilling everywhere. My room faces the pier, and when I'm out on the balcony, it's like walking on the giant banyan and jumble of palm trees below. All the cocktails here are named after celebrities. (laughs) You already can tell it takes place in California, right? (laughs) The Capote is a mess of bourbon and mint. The Maryland has gin and a cherry. The Bloody Mary is the only one named for what it is. And after the last two days, it's exactly what I need. I had gone to Bakersfield because New York had turned on me. It felt treacherous. Everywhere reminders of him. I wanted somewhere I would feel safe, somewhere familiar, and said almost as soon as I got off the plane, I remembered why I left Bakersfield in the first place. Mother with her thin lipstick smile, how she reached out for my shoulder but took my bag instead, how she never asked how I was feeling, only said how thin I was, how great my skin looked. By the time she invited my older brothers over for Sunday dinner, something that never happened when I was around, but apparently became a tradition once they bought houses in the area, I was already looking up flights to Los Angeles. They showed up with their perky, two-of-a-kind wives and their darling, demonic children. At first, they feigned surprise at seeing me, but then one did his best Donald Trump. You're fired, he said, pushing his thinning hair to one side and pointing at me. His wife pinched him, saying, don't listen to him, hon, it's happening everywhere while her boys tugged at her jeans, chanting, Mom, Mom, Mom. In the kitchen, Mother wasn't just holding down the button on the blender. She was pulsing it, the ice for her margaritas crunch crunching, between the kids chanting, Mom, Mom. I took the first flight out that morning. 
Then it was just a short cab ride to Santa Monica. I try not to imagine the face mother will make when she realizes I've left. I hang my dresses and blouses and slacks, calling up for more hangers. I arrange my shoes in the closet as if I'm moving in. I read over the dry cleaning services and note that they will press your socks free of charge. The bed is wide, a California king with a down comforter that puffs up around me like a hug, saying, just wait, just wait. I try not to think of how few options I have left, how being laid off feels like an end that rings on and on, how Eric did not ask me to stay, how in that last moment in his office, he did not stand up and say anything, just sat there, hand beside mine, close but not touching, until the human resources woman coughed politely and he moved it away. But let's not think of that. I look up at the ceiling where a fan made to look like a palm frond turns in quiet arcs. Just beyond the eggshell walls is a bustling little beach city, my college town. Those days seem so long ago. Charlie and Jared are living in Santa Monica now, Southern California homeowners for God's sake. Their wedding more than six years ago was the last time we were all together. Charlie, lovely in white lace, already making excuses for Jared with his sweaty upper lip, still hung over from his bachelor party. At the reception, the DJ announced Mr. and Mrs. Jared Brownstone to a cheering room, and Robbie stood whistling and clapping. Jared aced his arms above his head, a victorious gladiator, and the crowd ate it up. They're cheering thunderous. Someone stood on a chair and shouted into a megaphone. Others used the toy hand clappers with the brides and grooms' names written in white paint. I took a Xanax with champagne, telling myself to be quiet, to ignore that nervous flutter, silence that inner alarm. Just be content. Drink and be content. This can be enough for you, too. You are married to your own college sweetheart. It has not even been a year. Give it time. Just wait. Charlie beaming, beaming, as she looked at me from across the room. A look of cul-de-sac contentment, a future filled with barbecues, pool parties, and playdates. This is enough for her, I thought. It is enough for them all. And then there was Robbie, frowning at me because I asked the waiter for another glass of champagne. Because lately I'd been taking Xanax like Tic Tacs. But Robbie, I thought, don't you want a happy little wife? I'm going to stop there. Because <laughs> I'm too sweaty. <laughs> Thanks, guys. All right. So, um, we're gonna, we'll talk for about half an hour, thereabouts, and then we'll turn it over to some questions from, um, from all of you. Let's start with, um, oh, sorry, okay. Me? Yeah. Oh, lean, oh, lean back. Oh, okay, I like it. Right. There we go. So let's start with Elsa. Cool. Who is the narrator of the novel. Um, I'm not going to ask you whether you are Elsa, because we're just talking about that. I know you're not <laughs> Elsa. And it's, it, anyway, um, but I'm interested in her as a character because she's um, a complicated protagonist, right? Um, yeah. And so I want to talk a little bit about the idea of writing about a complicated protagonist, um, a protagonist who kind of pushes against our sympathies at various points. Mm -hmm. Let's just start. Let's. I'm just. Why don't you just start talking about that, and then we'll kind of. Yeah. We'll converse. You know, it's been interesting. The book has been out, you know, for a week now. Um, but people had been reading it for a while up until then, you know, with galleys and stuff. And I never really thought she'd come off as as really unlikable. I always thought she was not sympathetic, but I thought she was just like a normal pissed off woman. I thought we knew enough of those to to not not have it be considered unlikable. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that kind of surprised me. But then I started thinking about the book in terms as as if you're reading her for the first time. And I thought, yeah, she's actually a very complex 
human, right? Because she, you're reading her inner thoughts, which is are very rage-filled. But her outer shell is just is, is sort of like a, a very level. She seems put together. She well, seems very effortless. Helps. Medication <laughs> helps. Yeah. Um, so I th I think that's sort of where it comes from. That sort of I guess the tension that's created between those two things. Right. Um, it sort of makes I think everyone who's reading the book think, why doesn't she just like tell her friend that she's hurting or something like that. But I think it's not always the case. She can't do it, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't think she's unlikable. That's why I was sort of dancing around the unlikable. And I also yeah. hate the idea that characters in fiction have to be likable. Yeah, and I think um, it's, it's applied more to women than it is to men. Always actually. applied more to women, mm -hmm. absolutely. I mean, you know, Claire Massoud argued about this, what, two, three years ago when her yeah. last book came out. Um, and all characters, I mean, not even characters, if we look, if we think about for writer to writers, you're all just characters. So, um, you know, every character in this room is likable or unlikable depending on the circumstance oh, yeah. and depending yeah. on who they're Completely. engaged with. Right? That complexity is part yeah. of. So, um, were you thinking when you were when you were writing her? Um, were you thinking about that question of? Um, I mean, she is sympathetic, but she's also unsympathetic, mm -hmm. even to those who are who are closest to her. I'm curious about kind of mining that emotional territory w in terms of developing the like character. How how I, I sat down and sort of came up with that. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Um, Where do you get your wonderful ideas? <laughs> <laughs> well, I should say she, she isn't me, you know, but I think the reason why it's, it's you have to start there, right, is because I am a young woman. I do live in Los Angeles. I have worked in a museum. Um, so You've I, been to Catalina. I've been to Catalina. <laughs> I've done drugs. Um, and I like to drink. But... Um, this, I think that's sort of the stopping point, but it's like definitely, she's definitely a vehicle for a lot of the emotions that I feel. So there is a, there is a tremendous amount of honesty that's in the book, mm -hmm. but she's not me, I guess is the easiest way to say. So when I started writing her, I had just left the Getty Research Institute. I was a special collections um, library assistant for five years. Um, and when I started that job, I thought that was going to be sort of it for me. I mean, it was a wonderful job. I had access to all these very rare objects and papers. I think one of my first jobs there as a work-study student was I photocopied um, impressionist letters that painters wrote each other, impressionist painters. And I thought, oh my god, why are they letting me hold these things and put them in a photocopy machine? But like, that was my job. Um, but five years into it, you know, there had been layoffs, there had been, it, it just really became a regular job. It was just like any, any other job. And I, was, I left there very disillusioned, thinking, well, what what, where do I go from here? I left at 30 years old. Um, it was around the time, the just after the recession, so there was a lot of people that were like that too. Um, not just women, men also. Uh, so when I sat down, I think a lot of my disillusionment and anger um, came out in Alice's voice. And then right. I just wanted to know why, why specifically was she so pissed off? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was, I guess, where the fiction takes over. Right. I mean, you wrote about there, that great essay about the Man Ray, yes. um, the, the Man Ray archive, or the yes, Man Ray documents, yeah. which, was, which was there. Uh, David helped me write that essay. <laughs> I just read it and gave you some notes. <laughs> It was all you, but um, but you know so there you know so that aspect and of course you know I've, I of course have no experience with this in my professional life but institutions can be really disillusioning if you work. For them. Yes, well, <laughs> yeah, the the art world I feel like sp was really disillusioning because it's it's the art world right it's where we all go to find solace when at least for me when oh I see some one of my coworkers from the Getty back there <laughs> but um. 
hi. <laughs> um, but I, I, I really, it's where, it's where you go to, you know, to really, I, like I said, take solace in, from the world. It's whenever the world's sort of crazy, I go to the museums. And, um, and so I really thought, well, where do I want to work for the rest of my life? And I thought, definitely the art world, right? Um, and to find out that there's the same, it's just, it's just humanity everywhere. So it's just the same thing. Um, and that was really disheartening, I think. So let's talk about the character. I mean, in terms of that exploration of a character, how much, um, how much did you know about where Elsa was going and where the narrative was going when you started? How much is mapped out? How much did you yeah. kind of let develop by accretion? Um, I like to write by um, coming up with the characters and then sort of sticking them all in a place where they bounce off each other. Mm -hmm. So I immediately knew I wanted these specific characters, and I thought, well, where could they not get away from each other? On a boat. <laughs> so you're torturing the characters. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah. So part of the, part of the, a lot of the plot for me, or the storyline, comes from just getting all the, I have to really get to know the characters mm -hmm. um, really well, otherwise it doesn't really work. Um, which is why the ending, when we talk about the ending, was so difficult, right? right. Because you can force, pe you can put people in a situation and watch them bounce off each other as much as you want, but eventually you have to end the book. So. That was that was my learning curve on writing a novel. Right. Um, yeah, it reminds me of an old New Yorker cartoon I liked, where there's a guy sitting at a desk surrounded by papers, and his wife is at the top of the stairs, and he's leaning up, yelling at her, and the caption is, "Finish it. Why would I want to finish?" it? I know. Yeah, right, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I mean, I really got to know all these characters. Yeah. Not that. So I started when I went into how David and I know each other is I went to the University of California Riverside Palm Desert MFA program. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> and he was my nonfiction. Um, Professor. Uh, so when I took the book into the program, it was a novella, and I showed it to Mary Otis in my first workshop, and she was like, this is great, but it's 75 pages. And I think Mark Haskell Smith was like, you don't sell a novella, turn this into a book. Right. So I, um, I think I read a version I think of you did too, yeah. Embarrassingly, I, also, yeah. I left it in like his mailbox and was like, tell me what you think. Um, did I ever tell you what I thought? No, thank God. <laughs> because it was terrible. It was spectacular. Shut up, now it is. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so embarrassed that I did that. It was all Gon's fault, but he, um, so I, I, what I learned was I had to get to know Elsa more, right? And not just Elsa. Like, I, I felt like I really understood who she was because mm -hmm. we shared a lot of the same anger and the same outlooks on life and stuff. But um, the other characters, I really needed to know who they were also. Um, so a lot of my time at UCRPD was sort of coming to terms with them and, and figuring out who they were. Well, so I have a couple of questions about this. First, let's talk about the other characters. Then I want to talk about expanding it from the novella because mm -hmm. those are both treacherous territories for a writer, right? <laughs> um, and so first with the other characters, I, I mean, I agree with you and I think, you know, that, that development of those other characters, I don't want to say it's easy to write from inside a first person persona because that would imply that it's easy to write, but, um, <laughs> or that there's any joy in it whatsoever, but, the, <laughs> um, but, um, but I, you know, but it's, it's, it, there are affinities, right? I mean, you're writing yeah. from within that voice. When you're writing about other characters, especially through a first person filter, it's not the same as writing about them in third person. You've got to yeah. develop them, but only through the eyes of that first person narrator. Yes. So I wonder if we can talk a little bit, because those characters, you know, the character who I have to say I kind of fell in love with in the book is is Charlie. Oh, really? Yeah. I love finding out who people identified with because I think they're, yeah, I kind of want to, who, has anybody read the book in here? Yeah? Okay. Yay. <laughs> David's book. Come on, guy, wake up. No. It's a book, it's got some title, it's an island somewhere off the coast of California. But I do find that a lot of people identify with different characters right. in it. Um, and 
the way I sort of got into the other characters' heads, one of the first things Mary had me do actually in the workshop was sort of write outside of the book. So mm -hmm. like, what does Charlie's room look like? Mm -hmm. um, what does Robbie's room look like? What does Jared's room look like? What do they like when nobody's in the room? Mm -hmm. um, so I would sort of like sketch scenes wa watching them, I guess, which is sort of creepy, but that's, that's how I sort of got into their heads. And I started thinking afterwards when I finished the book um, that I thought I could rewrite the entire book from Charlie's perspective. That's mm -hmm. how well I know her, right? actually, because it's a completely different book. Right, no, and she comes off, I mean, they all come off as fully realized characters. I think she, maybe more so than others, because she's got that, that long-term best friendship. Yes, with, definitely. With yeah. Elsa, right? Yeah. So, there's, so, the, so you're also portraying, uh, for me, one of the really interesting things is that idea of a friendship with history. And yeah. So I wonder if we can talk a little bit about that, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. The idea of, of, you know, they knew each other, they haven't seen each other for a long time. There is a lot of kind of unresolved stuff, mm -hmm. but they also have known each other since since they were, kids. you know, since they were kids. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because I think the, the for the sort of surface of the book for Elsa is this sort of breakup she's had with her boss, right? She's she's had an affair with him. So it, it sort of seems like it's a book about our relationships between men and women. She's even there with her ex-husband. Mm -hmm. <coughs> but it's actually really a book about female friendships, I think. Mm -hmm. <coughs> between, I mean, you don't just have, Charlie and Elsa have a huge history. And I think female friendships sort of start under the skin and then they just go deeper. Um, can you, yeah, can you explain that a little bit? Yeah. Because as I, you know. <laughs> as, as a, as a as man? A, you know, male friendships, <laughs> they start on the surface, they stay on the surface. <laughs> well, I think women, um, I, for, you know, relationships even with your significant other, for women, when somebody becomes part of your identity, teaches you things, how Eric has sort of fostered Elsa's mm -hmm. art, you know, knowledge. Um, women, I think, really foster each other. And that they sort of become a part of each other's identities. And so to pull apart or to have friendships move on from each other is incredibly painful. And I don't think women know how to, I mean, at least I don't know how to politely move away. You know, I, I don't think, I think women just tend to be like, I guess Facebook friends now is the easiest way to do it, <laughs> right? Um, we stop hanging out, but we're still friends on Facebook, and that doesn't really mean any, you know, thing, but um, we, it's an unsaid thing. So I think for Charlie and Elsa, Charlie is lost, right? She really needs a friend. Elsa is also lost <coughs> and hurting and doesn't want anyone else inside. And that's just a recipe for disaster for them both, right? And they're both, in a way, different ways. I mean, Charlie is very overtly longing for Elsa, yes, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, you know, several times in the book she says, don't go away for five years, you know, yes, don't, yeah, go, yeah. don't stay away for five years, or yeah. she mentions the amount of time that yes, it's been. Yeah. Elsa, very different. I mean, also, in a way, longing. Um, but somehow less able yeah. to access Yeah, well, I it. think f with Elsa, her, her background with women, um, I think she says at one point, Char Charlie has a little sister who she tells a story yeah. in the book about her, Charlie's little sister sort of hurting Charlie in this situation, yeah. um, sort of betraying her. She sleeps with her boyfriend on it. I don't think that's giving too much away. But Elsa thinks about how Charlie was so surprised and upset by this, and Elsa sort of thinks, um, I've never thought sisterhood should be something that you hold that close to yourself. That's always sort of like snakes in the water. Best to just get out of the water altogether. Um, so I think she's always sort of kept herself to herself. Yeah. Right. Which is part of her tragedy. Um, she's never going. She's always going to be alone. And the whole book is her sort of 
hoping she's not going to be alone. Right? But it's also part of her. Per- right, it's part of her tragedy. But it's part mm-hmm. of her personality. Exactly. Right? Yes, I mean, and it's very heavily. It's in there. I mean, there's a lot of with how women are raised to, um, with Elsa specifically. Right, her mother was um, worked in a salon, so there's a lot of beauty in there, mm-hmm. which fosters female competition. Um, and I think that there's a lot of those kind of walls for Elsa that she can't really pull down. And that's just her. You know, that's such so sad for Charlie, because she's never going to be able to be have that kind of friendship with Elsa. Right, or perhaps with anyone at this point. With anybody. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, by the time you get to end. So let's talk about expanding it. So that idea, I mean, that's a risky move, right? Mm -hmm. You write a piece, there's a piece of writing, it it has a shape, whether, you know, however it's working or not, it's it's got a shape. Um, The idea of taking a piece of writing, even a piece that's 75 pages long, and expanding it into something that's 240 pages pages long, so, you know, that's two-thirds, whatever, Three times, really bad at math. <laughs> <coughs> the bourbon's not helping. But you should have um, seen me doing math for that that cocktail. I was just like, oh, mm, sure. Yeah, a, a, a bistle and a bit. Yeah. Right? Um, but uh, okay, so you know, so can we talk a little bit about that process? Both, you know, the excitation of it, maybe the trepidation yeah. of it. How, you know, what? How did you go about it? You know, the, I think the nicest thing was I was doing it in a, in the program in the UCR. So I really, it wasn't like I was by by myself, which I think would have been a, a, a lot scarier. Um, I was in a very safe place where I was working with professors who were really sort of supporting me and respecting the work, which I think, I don't know if that happens in every program, hello, but um, you know, it was really nice to, to feel like I could, I had room to like, I guess fuck up, right? Like I could go off. Well, you're encouraged. Hopefully, you're encouraged. Completely, completely. Yeah. So, like, just, just. I think one of the things I heard constantly was just keep writing. Mm -hmm. Just keep writing, right? You can cut. You can edit down later. Um, And because I had sort of the beginning, middle, and end, what I didn't have was why is Elsa doing these things, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And what was interesting was as I started to figure it out, I was like, oh well, then this would happen in this area, right? Like, so there's here's another scene, you know, because if I find out that she's a certain way with uh, with Charlie that creates a different dynamic on the boat. So I have to go and rewrite that scene and it's much larger now. So um, and I when I left that program I had a full manuscript and I got an agent, a lovely agent. <laughs> so it was it was act- it was like a wonderful experience. So you went to you went to the program, you wrote a manuscript, you got mm-hmm. an agent, you got it published. Yeah. So this is the value <laughs> of education. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean and I, you know, I had it's funny, I th- but I had been working on it. I think now it's been about four years, almost right. a little more than four years. Yeah, right. it was a long process of, and I've learned a lot about writing a book. I started writing the second book, and I was able to bang out a first draft in six weeks. Okay, so let's talk about what you've learned about writing. Yes. I'm, no, I'm curious, and um, and then I want to move into talking about. Well, then we can figure out how to talk about the end without spoiling oh, yeah, for everybody. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, but what have you learned about? I mean, you know, what what did it teach yeah. you? What how did it play out in terms of the draft of the second book? Um, this actually has a lot to do with the ending. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, so that's a nice lead-in. I'll just oh, do perfect. both at once. <laughs> but um, what I learned was the your characters. I, I really thought I had like the characters down um, after I had done all this writing and during the program and stuff. I thought, okay, well, this is, but this is where I want Elsa to end up, which was was such a uh, sort of jokes on me thing because she's going to do whatever she wants to do. I, I just had to sort of follow her. That sounds so silly, but that's really what, like, I kept trying to push her in the happy ending, I guess, mm-hmm. um, and I realized that that wasn't working. Um, with a lot of help, I realized that wasn't working. But um, so I kind of, I guess I realized that 
you kind of just have to go where the characters are taking you a, a bit more and trust them. Right. Which right. is which is which is funny because even with the second book, I'm still sort of trying circling the ending. But at least now I know it just means that I haven't completely developed my characters in order to know where the ending is going to be. Right. Um, do you think that you were inclined to a happy ending um, because of your own feelings for the character? You mm -hmm. wanted her to have that. Do you think that you were inclined towards that ending because of your sort of you know the expectation of how a book's supposed to work in some sense combination yeah. thereof? Like no one would read it if it was a total right. depressing. Well, actually. It was because Elsa comes from a long line of sort of beautiful messes, right? Like mm -hmm. women who are on the edge. Oh, this, um, is leading, this is great. This is leading to my next question. You're doing all oh, my good. work. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, Joan Didion's Mariah Wyeth. Um, my biggest um, influence is Jean Reese um, characters. Yeah. And Jean Reese wrote a book called Good Morning Midnight, uh, which I adored. I read it in college. And I thought, well, I'm going to write an updated narrative uh, of this, which is sort of where Elsa came from. Mm -hmm. uh, but I wanted to prove that she would have a happy ending, right? Um, and it was so sad. Like, I kept having people be like, no, she should kill herself. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, it's 2017. It's Come really on, hard you know? for a first-person narrator to kill themselves, <laughs> though, you know, because who finishes Jill the story? Yeah, yeah, yeah right? you can do it. But. Um, yeah, but, but rightly, right. yeah, how do you do that without having it be like just full violin the whole right. time so um but you know people I, I really didn't want her to end up punished the same way every every one of these female characters you know in the 70s and the 30s and the 20s has to be punished right mm -hmm. um little daisy buchanan too yeah little yeah. daisy buchanan definitely um actually lady brett ashley who's yeah, what i, yeah, I wanted yeah. i wanted Yes. Um, so I, I really wanted to be like, no, it's 2017. Women can fuck up and be <laughs> come out on the other side. And realizing that that's not true was <laughs> such a bummer. It was such a bummer. I was like, no, you're right. I don't. I think it was Dara who was like, Liskin, no, she doesn't get to ride off into the sunset. And I was like, really? <laughs> you're right. You're right. So that was kind of a bummer. <laughs> Although it's interesting. I mean. There, well, I, although I know, but it's actually, I'm too, you know, I'm, I, I read it that way. I read it as sort I, of, uh, I guess, I, I didn't read it as going either way, Okay. which actually, but I, again, I think that, you know, what that tells us is, you know, we read, we bring our uh, reader, yeah. animates the book. So, right. I don't know if it's happy ending. I don't know if it's what Elsa would consider a happy ending, I guess. Right. But I do think I, it is open. It's just, a, you it's know, my, my reading of it is, is because yeah. I tend towards the, um, unhappy ending. I believe in the unhappy ending. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, um, I mean, yeah. Right, but but I'm interested in that idea that it is kind of open. I mean, we're, are we doing a good enough job of kind of talking about yeah, it I think while so. talking around yeah, it? Yeah, 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 we're not, yeah. Kelsey I, says yes. I, I kind of like, I mean, I, I'm curious about that idea of an ending that is both resolves the kind of... Oh, it feels the, satisfying. Resolves the book, right? Structurally resolves the book, but at the same time, it's kind of open. We don't yeah. quite... We don't, we don't even know exactly what's going to happen in the next second. Yeah, I wanted this book to be very honest. I wanted it to be from the beginning. Like, it, it's funny to me people calling it California Noir and stuff because I'm like, but this is just how I, how I see This is just Los Angeles. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know how noir that is. It's just reality. <laughs> so, um, and I think that's part of the ending, right? Um, but it's hard to give an ending to reality, right? Like the reality right. is death, right? That's end. But but that's that's, a, yeah. that's not a satisfying ending in a book, you know. So um, it was it was difficult to find a, a satisfying ending. I think to find something that felt like oh, this is this is a natural conclusion. Mm -hmm. um, 
And I don't know how, I've, I was driving with my husband once, and I don't want to give it away, but I saw the scene that I wrote at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, holy shit, that's the ending. Right. And I got home and I wrote it out, and I was like, yeah, this feels this How far feels in right. were you? How far in, I mean, at what point were you in the drafting of the book when that happened? I, Dar and I were already working together. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, what's interesting was it always ended the way I wanted it to, um, but... I needed to find the right, like, last few sentences mm -hmm. to make it feel right. Um, but I really, especially, you know what it was, too, why I wanted a happy ending? As I got to know Elsa more and more, I wanted, I was like, no, I really want more for you than this. <laughs> right, right. But, uh, you know, it is open. Also, I think it's an interesting thing. There's, um, Eudora Wealthy once said, like, when you're in the middle of working on something, you know, everything, you're on the bus, you overhear something, and it's the perfect line of dialogue that you were missing, yes. right? Like, you know, the entire universe aligns in a yes. certain way. Yeah. Um, around you. Oh yeah, some of the best, some of my favorite parts of the book were like, you know, I'm washing my hair and then I'm like, holy fucking shit, get this out of my hair. Turn, get me a towel on and like start typing. You know, yeah. like, it's I've just. I've run naked from the shower many times. <laughs> my wife's like, what are you doing? I was like, don't I talk to me, idea. don't talk to me. <laughs> yeah, you know. Write this down, yeah, I'll yeah, lose yeah, it, I'll yeah, lose yeah, it. Yeah, right? so, yes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Einstein apparently got all of his best ideas in the shower, or at least that's what I've I heard. don't know what it is about so. that, but that happens. I have, I have a theory, but we'll, we'll save that for another time. Um, <laughs> it's the next book. Right. It has to do with like alpha waves or beta waves. It's like the repetitive physical oh, really? motion. That's yeah. Oh. It's like walking, doing the dishes, all I of those. I thought it was like just taking a break and walking away. Physical repetitive activity rewires yeah. your. I like your that. Okay, yeah. wash the dishes more. Wash the dishes more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> right. <laughs> He's in the back. Yeah. <laughs> Dust. You know. <laughs> um, so what did I want to do? That, that just blew the last Oh, Women on the Edge? Was that yeah, Women on the Edge, okay. right. Women on the Edge. So let's talk a little bit about those. Because I, I mean, the, the book is very, um, it, it, it's not steeped in its antecedents, but it's definitely kind of knowing about its antecedents yeah. or it, let's say about its place, its lineage in a certain yes. sense. So I wonder, can we talk a little bit about how you, how you see it in that lineage? Yeah. Well, um, it's funny that you mentioned Daisy Buchanan because originally I, I made this playlist. I, I write to music, and originally I made this playlist of all like early jazz. Mm -hmm. And the book sounded so like like I was writing a historical. Hey, how's it going? Like Tom was saying, way too many, like um, baby and old sport. <laughs> yeah, old sport. <laughs> he was like that close, you know. And I was like, okay, no, change the playlist, you know, um, because I really wanted uh, the biggest influences were um, Sasha Jensen, which was for Good Morning. Midnight um, and Jean Reese's heroine, but all of her heroines are pretty much the same protagonist. And actually, Lady Bread Ashley was a huge one. Mm -hmm. um, I read that book the same time I read Good Morning Midnight, which is interesting because they were around the same time, just one's sort of a male perspective and one's the female perspective of Paris. Um, and I always thought Lady Bread Ashley, it must have been so exhausting to be her, just having. <laughs> right? Like, I, what's his name in it? I can't even remember the main character. Jake's just constantly just like, oh, fawning over her and everyone's fawning over her. And she's so beautiful. And I just thought, God, that's so, that just must be so lonely to be, to be you. Um, which is sort of why Elsa ended up being, you know, she has to be gorgeous. Um, 
so I, but she's also kind of on the edge, not as much as Jean Reese's characters or Mariah Wythe also. Right. Um, that's a huge, you know, one that people like to point out, especially because she's also Los Angeles. Yeah. So writing in LA is, is hard because you have, there's, LA is just steeped in so much fictional sort of lore, I guess, um, which is why I think immediately people can label it as, oh, California Noir, oh, Jean Reese, or, you know, right. Joan Didion. Um, so I'm, it, and coming from an MFA background and an English background, I have an English degree too, I'm very well <laughs> aware that I'm not the first person to be doing this, but all I could do was be honest from my own world and mm -hmm. see, sort of tell my own story. But this is the genius of setting it in Catalina. Oh, thank right. you. It's yeah, the, there is the no great, Catalina. You've written book. a great Catalina novel. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> when I, I went to Skiba, uh, which is a trade show, uh, Southern California Independent Book Sellers Association, um, and there were librarians from Catalina, and they were like, oh my God, we're so excited about this book. Would you ever come out to Catalina? And I was like, yes, yes. when and where? <laughs> but also read it first and make sure you still want me to come. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's really, it's really kind of... I, and the, what, where Catalina came from was... I thought working at the Getty, you can see it all the time from up there, sort of looking, sort of looking at you. All, and then when you're actually there, you can you have this weird, bizarre sort of outer body experience of seeing Los Angeles and like where you live. It's this very sort of like you're catching this image of yourself in the mirror, and then you look and you're like, oh, it's just me. Um, so I always kind of wanted to set it there. Yeah, and being on an island, even an island that close, is really is a strange experience. It's such a weird place. Yeah. Have, has anyone? Have you guys all been there? It's really weird. Um, um, Avalon is like this very touristy town, right? There's a very, this is paradise, come to paradise, drink Mai Tais. Um, and then Two Harbors, which is just on the other side, there's one restaurant, one bar, um, and a camping site, and one hotel, I think. Um, and, you know, I, when I camped there, little Catalina Island foxes, which are like the size of a house cat, would come out. Bison would come down from the hill. So it's this weird sort of, it's got the same duality that Los Angeles has, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Where you have Hollywood, and then you have coyotes coming down from the Santa Monica Mountains. Right. You know, mountain lions are still out here. Yeah. So I like that. I right. thought that's the perfect place for them to go. So I, I want to ask one or two more questions and then turn it over. So one of the things that really interests me about the book and I think works really well is that it is, and I mean this in the best possible way, it's claustrophobic, right? In the mm -hmm. sense that um, Elsa's life is claustrophobic. Not just, I mean, she's sort of wrapped in her own head yeah. and her own kind of memory and loss, then you put them on the boat, which is by nature mm -hmm. a claustrophobic, and then, an and then they end up on an <laughs> island, um, and it's this very small group that mm -hmm. has a lot of history for the most part, not mm -hmm. everybody, but yeah, for yeah. the most part, and all the history is unresolved, so all of those ghosts are kind of floating there yeah, as well, yeah, so yeah. I just wanted to talk about that, I mean, it seemed, it's a ripe mix for high yeah. drama, mm -hmm. right? Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about that as a, you know, again, we, we touched on it a little, but I want to come back to that as a kind of conscious aesthetic choice in terms of, uh, of driving the narrative and really kind of foregrounding the, yeah. the dynamics between the characters. Yeah, it, you know, a lot of it is, has to do with the characters themselves, like the positions. It's all about sort of the roles that they each are inhabiting and how they can't really break them because society doesn't really let you, I guess. So Charlie and Jared are married. Jared's supposed to be this really successful businessman, right? Um, Robbie's an ex-husband, and so they all sort of a lot of the drama and tension comes from them not being able to say how they really feel. 
Right. right. But do you think that's, a, I mean, it's certainly society, but it's mm-hmm. also in some way the nature of their relationships with oh, each completely. other, right? Yeah. You know, they but know each other in a yeah. certain way and they're locked into their own, mm-hmm. um, their own imaginations of each other. Yeah. And you're, and I think from as soon as you, you, you read that they're all going to go on a boat, you're like, well, this is going to, Yeah. Bad. it's sort of like watching a, a train wreck in slow motion, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's part of the appeal is you can't look away because you know, I mean, that starts out with the first sentence is Elsa ordering a pitcher of margarita or Bloody Marys. So she's just, she's off and running, you know? Right. She's already there. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, she's already she's there. She's already there. And, you know, and she stays there throughout. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think that's, that's exactly right. And you also, I think there's something really interesting about the tension because it doesn't always, in fact, mo- for most of the book, it doesn't quite explode, right? No, it, yeah. it sort of gets to the edge mm-hmm. sometimes and then that's it, the gets, drugs, it gets pulled back. Well, and also I think there's this, this idea that they're all on vacation, which is so bizarre to me, right. you know, that they're all like vacation for these people or being on a sailboat and drinking a whole lot and there's one scene where Charlie or when Jared and Robbie are like we're kings we're kings and they're doing like push-ups on on the boat yeah. there's a lot of like wealth I think also yeah. in the book right that they're all like trying to to get money and have certain things and stuff like that um, which is you know this idea of like projecting a certain image right right but it masks a kind of spiritual blankness exactly yeah. and so you're reading it knowing I think most people know people like these these characters so you almost i think as soon as you see them on the page you're like oh shit i know how this is gonna play out right i'm gonna have thanksgiving dinner with some of these people um (laughs) yeah (laughs) all right should we um open it up to some questions from the assembled anyone want to raise your hand we'll call on you and um don't be shy don't be shy hello (laughs) i hope i did a good job talking around it (laughs) <laughs> uh, I wanted to ask you when you started the process of writing this book, did you did you already have in your in your mind beginning, the middle, and the end? Because I had, I was sort of thinking of doing this uh, play on it being a uh, modern version of Jean Reese's book. I did, um, but. That totally got away from me almost as soon as I started writing it, I think. Um, but the ending was sort of, I always knew how, who she would end up with. That's the most I'll give away with that. Based off that book, actually. Yes? That's a good question, because I, I was in an MFA program, so I had to read a lot. Um, and that, I think, really actually helped the book. Um, when I'm in revision, I don't. So, like, when I was working with Dara or my editor, and I've gotten notes, and it's time for me to, like, not talk to anybody for four weeks or shower, um, <laughs> then, or, yeah, do nothing, um, then I don't, I only listen to music and I don't read. But I read, I, I think a lot of the books I read in my MFA program, particularly, we were talking about Marita Wolf mm-hmm. earlier, um, and how she, she wrote this book called Sudden Rain, um, which takes place in Los Angeles also in the 70s. It's wonderful. You guys should read it. And it's also, it. right, it's, it takes place over a long weekend. So it is. Structurally, it's not Yes, yeah. Well, and, and how she treats all of her characters. It's written in third person. So it, it really helped me. You know how you were asking about how do I get into the other characters and move them around? That book actually helped a whole lot. Yeah. And what was your, did, did I answer all of them? Uh, what did you like? What is Oh, my playlist. There's actually one song in particular that I s- sit down and listen to every time I worked on the book. Um, 
It is called, it's so weird to tell you guys this because I've listened to it. I checked and I listened to it like 700 times or something. <laughs> so, um, but for me, it really, it's like a quick like way for me. You know how sense quickly make people remember things? Music does that for me. Um, so it's a really easy way, but I can't listen to the song any other time because um, I just have to go right back into writing. It's a uh, Grizzly Bear and Feist uh, Service Bell. Bear? Bell. Service Bell. Um, Sing it. Hell no. <laughs> Hell no. Um, not enough drinks in the world. That's, that's the highest note you'll get out of me, is no. Um, but yeah, that was the song I always listened to. And then I have a few different albums that I would play after that. Um, and, but as the book changed, it, you know, more uh, different albums would come on. Rewrites were funny because I listened to like a lot of Jefestelstein. Is that what you call it? Oh, where's Jordan? I don't know what it's called. But it's like, what's it called? Gefestelstein? Jeff Festival, that German band? Uh, Gestoffelstein, <laughs> which is like hardcore tech, German techno. Because, you know, I had to pretend like I'm just smoking cigarettes. Just like, okay, you're in the mode zone. Just keep rewriting. <laughs> um, edits are going. You can do this. Uh, so it changed. But that song, every time I sat down, I had to listen to it and take half a Vicodin. <laughs> just kidding. And drink champagne. And drink champagne. <laughs> <laughs> other, que other questions? Kind of for both of you. Mm. Um, so I've read all your interviews and prepared for all this, and I've heard multiple people ask you if you are Elsa. If you were a man, do you think people would ask? No. You were your Even if the characters, the men get asked that question. I was saying, are there children in this room? No. no. Okay. I was saying earlier before this, right, that there's a um, a great John Irving quote where I guess he got asked too many times about whether he was Garp. <laughs> and, um, and he said, uh, he said, anybody who asks you if your novel is autobiographical doesn't understand how to read fucking fiction. <laughs> yeah, I think I think part of it is that I'm an, I'm a debut author, um, and so you know a lot of people haven't read anything else I've written, so it's an, a very easy question to be like, well, how much is this you? And also, Elsa, it's first person, so mm -hmm. by the end of it, hopefully you feel like you really know her. So it would it it seems like a you'd want to be like, oh, do I know you already? Because I've read your book. Um, part of it's true. I mean, you know how angry I am probably <laughs> about how women are treated, but um, for the most part, no, I'm not, I'm not her. Um, I've, I've had it done, I've done a couple interviews where it's, you know, a guy interviewing and they are like, are you Elsa? Well, how much of Elsa are you? <laughs> Would you like another cocktail? And I'm like, no. <laughs> Got some <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, that's a good question. I talked to another author, um, Rachel Kong of Goodbye Vitamin, mm -hmm. um, and she, she and I had a conversation for the MCD website where she also was asked that continually, um, doing the same, she was a debut author also, um, or it was her first novel. And she, was, she and I both agreed that no, it's, it's I think something for women where people think, oh well, you probably don't have much of an imagination, but I'm sh but you can write. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But men are lovely, so next question. <laughs> Any, anyone else? <laughs> Other questions? Anyone? I, I have one more question. Yes. That's an interesting question. I think, um, so when I, 
because the I wrote this book with, during an MFA program and with my agent, with my editor, it was spread out over a long period of time. So I was, you know, it was very structured, I guess. Um, with the second book, it was like, okay, sit down, write your first draft, um, and you already have an agent who will read it, and you already have an editor. So I wasn't, it wasn't as, as structured. So I was sort of up to my own devices to, to see how long I would sit there and write. And I, because I wrote every single day, for way too long. I actually, um, I forgot what this is called, but <laughs> like the, the sort of fluid between my joint leaked out. <laughs> but I did write that book in about six and a half weeks. Um, there will be rewrites, of course, but um, so I haven't really found like a, a healthy way to, <laughs> to do that routine because in my mind, this is my only job. So um, as my husband goes to work for eight hours a day, sh so should I be writing eight hours a day. Um, and sometimes I work on the weekends too. But that's only when I actually have a deadline, I think, also. Otherwise, you know, I can do what I want. And I think deadlines are key, right? Yes, because definitely. Not whether in a program or whether, uh, you know, whether you're writing because you have a book due yeah, or yeah. whatever. You know, I mean, I don't, you know, I, one of the reasons I was a journalist for so long was because I could not write without a deadline. Yeah, deadlines are wonderful. You know? Yeah, and I mean, when I'm on deadline, it's, it's like button chair time. You know, and I, I love it. It makes me a little bit like psychotic a little bit because I'm just sitting there. I got my headphones on. I'm making a playlist. Um, I go deep, but I love it. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Okay. Right, so I'm privy to this information, but I've seen your story for it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so I don't I don't plot. I don't like um write out what's going to happen where when or something like that. Like I said all I do is I try to get to know characters. So I have a board above my desk where I cast all the different people, not in actors and actresses because I have different ideas already associated with them. I take hair magazines um and cut out people from them and then I uh, and then I can project personalities on them because, you know, Emma Stone has already too much uh, uh, to her. Um, but somebody who's like modeling a short haircut or something, I'm like, I don't know who you are. You're Elsa now. Um, but then I also do, you know, pictures of where of settings and stuff like that. Um, the second book that I'm working on takes place in Rome and Puglia, so I have two sides of the boards. Um, one's Rome, one's Puglia, but I also do colors too to sort of quickly get me back there and stuff like that. It, hel it helps, that and music. Do you have a question? I keep saying. Yeah. How, how is your publisher? I think uh, they're trying to sort of forge an identity for themselves. How do you fit in? Ah, MCD. Yeah, so MCD is sort of the new publisher um, with FSG um, for Strauss and Drew. And I love them. I, I've, I love the idea that they're doing something new, especially in the publishing world. Um, that they want to do, I think, what is it, like new voices and voices that aren't seen and stuff. It was so flattering for them to have that be their guidelines and then them to be like, you fit in perfectly. Um, so I think it's hard for me to answer that because it's, it's so, it's such a, still, I'm still getting used to the idea that they even wanted to publish this book. Um, this whole year, I'm just like, well, what? This last year, anyways, I just kept thinking, oh, you're going to take that back. I'm sure. You haven't finished reading it. You'll finish it, and then you'll be like, just kidding. You're not for me. Um, but so far, everything they've put out has been brilliant. Um, and I'm, I'm just completely flattered that I'm a part of it. That's whatever the editor wants. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. You, do you mean like their vision yeah. for it? Sean's vision for it and um, Daphne's, I think it's sort of, um, 
I think they felt, this, this is between everyone here, this is how I saw it. FSG has been around for a really long time and they've done wonderful wor work, um, but they wanted to have a label that they could experiment with, right? To do new voices, to see how they see the world and stuff like that. Not so, I don't want to say FSG stuffy or anything like that. They're, they're wonderful, but it's, it's, I think it's just a way for them to play, right? Um, thank God they do, right? Yeah. <laughs> for me anyways, yeah. Yeah. So it was funny when they said experimental because I thought this was a pretty, um, you know, it's a, a, it's a linear book. Um, but then now that, I, now that it's out in the world and I'm sort of getting the reaction that I'm getting, I'm like, oh yeah, I guess this is kind of um, pretty experimental to have a woman this pissed off and doing what she wants, right? Um, which is probably why I had so much trouble in the beginning to find people to invest their, their time in, in the book. Um, yeah, so I think that's, that's sort of their guidelines right now, which is cool. What are the good hair magazines? <laughs> <laughs> CVS. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yes. Just any literary magazine. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do that too, actually, yeah. Yeah. So when you were talking um, about it being experimental or her being angry, were you ever intimidated by Elsa? Because Elsa can be intimidating to a lot of characters in the book. That's a good question. Um, no, because I felt her pain so much. Um, I just felt like, you know, she was hurting so much. And the tragedy of her is, so one of the things that I learned working at the Getty, it's such a beautiful place, but it's so removed up on that hill. And I sort of realized there's this thing that happens when you're looking at art, this distance that's created between you and what you're viewing. And Elsa's this beautiful woman, so her entire life is this interaction with the world f from that position where she's the piece of art. So she's very lonely um, and can't ever really get past and make that connection or that relationship. So I always felt of her that way, that every tragedy that happens, yes, it's her own making, but sort of, I don't know if it's all her fault. I sort of feel like it's the world around her. So. Should we take one more? Is there one more to be taken? Any more? All right. Should we buy a bunch of books? Yes. Come All and right, say let's hi. Buy a bunch Thanks, of books. guys. Thank you, Lisa Jacobs. Thank you, David. Thank you. I, I have to say real You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Young Jesus. You can check them out at youngjesus.bandcamp.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.